Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, good morning, church. It is so great to be able to gather around the Word of God this morning from wherever you're tuning in. Uh, I just want to say a big welcome and I'm so honoured to open up the Scriptures and just have a look at some of what the Bible can teach us this morning. And uh, I love our church. I love um, seeing, you know, the the various departments just do great, even in this season. I particularly want to shout out the kids' ministry. Uh, My daughter, you know, during the the sermon on Sundays, joins our kids' Zoom account and honestly loves it. I didn't think that she'd sit through it, but she is glued to the screen, uh, engaging with our kids' team. And so, so grateful for our kids' team and all of our various departments here at Horizon. Hey, if we haven't met, my name's Tim, one of the team here, and uh, really, really excited to open up the Scripture this morning. So if you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 13, a story about Jesus and Peter. And it says this in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, this morning, I wanna share a message that I've titled True Freedom. And so let's pray and ask God to really bless Uh, us as we hear the Word and we uh, digest the Word and understand what He wants us to know. So God, we just honour You this morning. We thank You so much for the opportunity to gather around Your Word, to be encouraged by Scripture. And I just pray that supernaturally, God, Your Holy Spirit would encounter every person whose heart is open as they open up uh, the, the Word, God. We just pray right now for encounters to happen in homes, for bodies to be impacted and healed, for hearts to be set on fire for the things of God and for for you, God, to be revealed, that people may see you more clearly this morning than they have before. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I want to talk about this morning is this idea of emotional decision-making. I I don't know about you, um, but when I I look back over my life, I was trying to find a time when I've maybe got caught up in the moment. Uh, You better believe that there were a lot of examples I could give you about maybe going a bit overboard or getting caught up in the moment or, you know, being swept away by my emotions. But I thought of one particular story uh, from a long time ago when I was still in school. It was year 10 and it was English class and I was very stressed because we had speeches, right? Now, when your last name is Biasetto, you're always at almost the front end of those who will be asked to come up and, and do their speech. And I was not ready. And I remember sitting in class and I'm like, what am I going to do? I've got at least, 
you know, um, a few minutes left before my doom is decided and I'm up in front of this class and I'm, I'm not prepared, I'm not ready. I turned to my friend, Steve, and I said, oh, Steve, the only thing that's going to help me now is if the school gets evacuated. So he just laughs and he's like, good luck. And I'm sitting there sweating. And uh, I'm in year 10, right? And from year seven to year 10, we had never, ever had a school evacuation. And uh, I think probably what happened is someone, you know, suggested to the, the WHS team back in the day that we probably need to do something like that. And so would you believe within about a minute and a half of me saying to my friend, the only thing that will save me is if our school gets evacuated, the fire alarm goes off. The fire alarm goes off. I'm talking after four years of not one single alarm. Within a minute and a half, a minute and a half of saying that to my friend Stephen, the alarm goes off. Well, as most people, you know, would, they get up slowly and start to figure out what's going on. Not me. I'm pumped. I am stoked. I can't believe that this has happened. So instead of calmly standing up and making my way out, I'm Boom, out of my seat. Yes, yes, I can't believe it. Come on. I turned to Stephen. I'm like, I said it, I said it. My teacher is mortified, understandably, because this fire alarm's going off and then this kid in her class is going nuts. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, miss, you don't understand. I said it a minute and a half ago and I'm fired up. I'm so pumped. I'm high-fiving people. I'm running around. I'm like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I'm so pumped. I honestly couldn't get more pumped. She is like, would you sit down? This is an evacuation. You need to take this seriously. Well, personally, I couldn't take the grin off my face because I'd been saved from having to do my speech. And uh, we made our way down. And as we were all lined up, I have a, uh, a teacher come over and say, the principal wants to see you. So I get brought over to the principal and I get busted for not treating this moment with the respect it deserves, which is probably true. But the emotions, they just overcame me. I just, I just couldn't help myself. I was blown away that after four years, within a minute and a half of me saying that, I had been saved from having to do this speech. Incidentally, the alarm only, you know, the evacuation only lasted about 15 minutes. And so I went back to my class and I had to do my speech, which I did very poorly at. But needless to say, it was an exciting experience. Now, I don't know about you, but you can probably think of a few times where emotions have sort of overtaken your rational thinking and you've sort of done things or reacted or responded. Not always funny, sometimes serious. But, you know, we can definitely be people who get caught up in the emotions of a moment. And this is one of the reasons why I love the Apostle Peter so much. I love the Apostle Peter so much because for the average person, Peter's probably the biggest encouragement that we have in Scripture. You know, he was a very emotional person and it's on display for all to see as we read the Gospels. Peter, one minute he's doing this, one minute he's doing that. He is an emotional person. And uh, so much encouragement is found in the Bible from people's humanity. Now, I've brought with me this morning a whiteboard here. And uh, this whiteboard is here to help us understand the journey of the emotions that we have in our life. And, you know, if you're anything like me, if you're anything like Peter, your life probably looks a little bit like this. You've got some ups and downs. You've got some moments when things are good. You've got some moments when things aren't particularly good. We all go through these emotions in our life. You know, take Peter, for example. You look at him when he was just a, a fisherman, just cruising along, and then one day a renowned rabbi comes along and says, would you follow me? I want to make you a fisher of men. 
He is just like, well, yes, thank you. Puts his nets aside. I'm following Jesus. What a moment. He would have been feeling so, so good. Uh, another time you see Jesus um, uh, with Peter um, talking to him about uh, this, this revelation that he has. We just read about it where Peter has Jesus tell him, oh my gosh, Peter, you are called to be a rock. You're going to be used to build the church. You've got a calling and a purpose. He is feeling good. You know, another time when Peter's feeling good is at the transfiguration. There's this moment in Scripture where Jesus takes just a few of His disciples, one of which is Peter, takes him up to a mountain and says to him, yeah, and then, sorry, while up in the mountain, he transfigures and meets in this spiritual way with some amazing Bible characters. Peter sees this and he is stoked. But the other thing about Peter we see is the negative moments or the down moments of his emotions. We see Peter, as well as having these high moments, have these down moments. Do you know, immediately after seeing Jesus in all His glory at the transfiguration, Peter's like, you know what? We need to set up some, you know, uh, some shrine here. We need to do something here to commemorate this moment. And a voice from heaven corrects and rebukes Peter. I've never been corrected by an audible voice from heaven, but I can imagine it's going to weigh heavy on your heart to be like, whoa, sorry, I probably crossed the line there. You know, directly after Jesus shares with His disciples about, um, you know, what He has to go through, Peter says, you are not going to die. I won't let it happen. And Jesus literally says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You actually don't know what you're talking about. I can imagine Peter feeling awesome that he's standing up for Jesus, feeling unsure about why Jesus had to correct him. Peter went through ups and downs. He says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. The next day, what does he do? Leaves him, forsakes him, denies Jesus uh, three times before the rooster crows. Peter lived a life that had ups and downs. You know, I personally can relate to Peter. I've had ups and downs in my life. But the challenge with Peter is that for so much of his life, he makes his decisions based upon his, his circumstances and his emotional position at any one time. He commits to things like defending Jesus against all opposition. But then when the circumstances change and his own safety is in danger, the decision that was linked to his emotions rides with the emotion into another realm. And this is what happens in our life. Sometimes we overcommit when we're feeling good and we find ourselves when we're not feeling good, overwhelmed. We feel like life has gotten too much. There's too many things that I'm committed to. You know, even seemingly good decisions are weak because they're attached to the emotional roller coaster uh, that we have in our life. And so sometimes people, even society, honours people for making these massive statements or massive claims, not realising that that was made out of emotion. And because it's made out of emotion, it is at the mercy of emotion. How many of us, while feeling good, have made decisions that we're unable to honour once our circumstances change? And what's so difficult about this, and we see it in Peter's life, is because the decisions are made emotionally, when we don't have the same feeling or our circumstances are no longer favourable, the gap between what we committed to and where we feel like we are is so great that we feel overwhelmed. We feel like I can't do it anymore. This is too much for me. And we feel crushed by the weight of our commitments. Do you know, the question we might ask ourselves at this point is, well, are emotions wrong? Like, is the best way forward to just not be an emotional person and to not engage with our emotions? But Jesus is our example of the perfect human. He is what humanity was created to be. He is our example of what it means to live as God intended us to live. Now, the amazing thing about Jesus is that He too engaged with His emotions. We read through Scripture, 
Jesus wasn't robotic. No, He was emotional. He engaged with His emotions. There are so many things that we see in Jesus' life where we get to see His emotions on display. You know, I think about the high moment of Jesus' life when uh, He gets baptised and literally from heaven, a voice says, this is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. You can just imagine that moment, just the joy and the excitement. Uh, we also see Jesus having moments where his anger is on display. And we see Jesus frustrated or angry at the, the money changers or those that were not allowing people to worship as God wanted them to worship. And his frustration comes out in that moment as he turns over the tables. You know, we see Jesus uh, at another time, um, you know, when he sees people's faith lead to healing. He's overjoyed. He is so excited. He is like, your faith has made you well. Uh, we see Jesus uh, when his friend Lazarus dies. He's, he grieves. It says that Jesus wept. He meets with Mary and, and, and Martha and he weeps with them. He feels for his friend who is lost. We see um, Jesus seeing people healed in his joy. We see Jesus, the Bible says, his joy uh, helped him to endure the cross. But don't we also see Jesus in Gethsemane saying, God, please, if there's another way, show me, take this cup from me. In fact, it says that he's, so he sweated blood because he was so stressed. Jesus also engaged in emotions. So we have to rule out that emotions in and of themselves are wrong because Jesus examples to us what it means to engage with our emotions. Jesus fully engages with his feelings. But the difference between Jesus and so often our lives is that while Jesus fully engaged with his feelings, he wasn't led by his feelings. His feelings ultimately weren't the thing that decided what he did and didn't do. He had a deeper sense of identity and a deeper sense of purpose than what his circumstances or his emotions might lead him to believe at any one minute. And because he was so secure in knowing who he was, he was able to fully engage with his emotions. We see this in Jesus, in the way that he responds to his emotions. We see Jesus in the midst of the ups and the downs of life and the good times and the difficult times, choosing to do God's will. What did He say in Gethsemane after He said to God, hey, please, you know, if there's another way, can we take this, this cup from me? What did He say after that? He said, but not my will, but your will be done. After feeling that emotion, He chose not to let the emotion decide what He would or wouldn't do, but His purpose and His sense of call. Why did He rebuke Peter? Because He knew that Peter didn't understand the greater purpose to his death. So Peter trying to stop Jesus dying was counterproductive. And because Jesus knew it, He challenged him and said, no, 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 look, the emotions are fine, but I'm not gonna let it make the decision for me. We see Jesus so often um, say things like, uh, after weeping over Jerusalem and in his heart, just feeling broken for this, this nation, he says, you know, he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem, knowing what he was about to endure. Jesus had this, through all of life's ups and downs, this stable sense of identity and purpose. You know what's amazing? In the Scripture we read about Peter, we see Jesus talk to Peter as he was created to be. Simon, his name prior to being renamed Peter by Jesus means read, easily swayed. But he says, no, I call you Peter, a rock. I call you a rock. And on this rock, 
We're going to see the church move forward, the kingdom of God advance. You are called to great things. Do you know, Peter might not have felt at all times like a rock. We see him up and down, up and down. But eventually we do see Peter ultimately get established in his sense of identity and his sense of call. When does that happen? It happens after Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes. Peter, who had been denying Jesus, Peter, who had been, uh, you know, saying things he shouldn't have said and getting caught up in his emotions, all of a sudden, after Acts chapter 2, when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, has a new resolve, a new strength. And he says, you know what? I believe that I am who God calls me to be. I believe that I am who Jesus has called me to be. And he stands up and he preaches. And from that day forward, his life begins to count big time for the kingdom. Thousands of people are saved. He becomes a leader amongst all the other apostles. He is the leader of the early church. Now, what changed? Did his circumstances change? No. In fact, in many ways, his circumstances got much more dire. He ends up in jail. He ends up, you know, getting um, accused of things. He ends up being, you know, uh, uh, an enemy of the state. People come against him. His circumstances continue to go up and down, up and down. One minute good, one minute difficult. But he remains consistent because his identity became secure. Do you know, in this day and age, uh, people would lead you to believe that whatever you feel is what is true. And sometimes we think, well, I I don't know if I should, you know, um, just go with my feelings on this one. But use Peter as an example of the way Jesus wants to connect with you today. Do you know, Jesus always spoke to Peter as he was in his eyes, never as Peter felt. You know, Jesus continually reminded Peter of his identity. He continually told him who he was and what he was called to. You know, he says in this scripture that we just read, you know, you are called to to build the church. He starts talking to him to to be somebody who is a builder, a leader. You know, when he was first called, he says, you're a fisher of fish right now, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter was called to be an evangelist. Do you know, we see in Peter this this pastoral heart when he says, hey, I know you denied me, but I want you to come back and I want you to feed my sheep. Be a pastor. Do you know, when Jesus spoke, he always addressed Peter, not Simon. And it's okay for us to have emotions, but we need to recognise that Jesus wants to speak not just to our emotional and our circumstantial situations, but to the deeper person that is within. God doesn't want us to just live for Him in our circumstances and behaviours, but live with Him in our life. And what happens when, like Jesus, we all of a sudden discover who He has called us to be, who He has graced us to be, who it is that He defines us as. Once we discover who He says we are, all of a sudden we now anchor ourselves not to our emotions, but to His Word. And I really feel this morning as I was praying and preparing for our, uh, our message this morning, I was really praying that this morning people would hear God speak to their inner person, speak to the real you, to get past the circumstances, to get past the emotions, to be, get past how you're feeling and to speak to you. And He wants to speak to you this morning and He wants to speak to you this week and He wants to show you who He is because as we see who He is, we discover who we are. Do you know, I love this verse in Colossians. Sorry, this verse in Titus chapter 2. This verse in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 teaches us something really important. And, uh, and just before we wrap up, I want you to catch this. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. 
It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Do you know, sometimes we think we're at the mercy of our circumstances or the mercy of our emotions. But you know God, when you become a believer, gives you grace, the Bible says, to say no. To say no. I don't have to make my decision based on how I feel. I don't make my decision, have to make my decision based upon my external circumstances. I can make my decision based upon who I am in Him. Who I am in Him. And as we learn to say no to our emotions and make our decisions based off our identity, all of a sudden we can continue into the things God called us to. And like Peter, fulfill what He has destined us for. So you might think, well, is this all about suppressing emotions? No, that's the opposite to what God wants to do. Do you know, God's heart isn't that we would suppress our emotions, but that we would fully get to experience our emotions. And the reason our identity and our sense of purpose is so important in this life is because once we have that, we become tethered, not to our emotions or our circumstances, but to our identity but to who He says we are, but to the Word of God and His truth. Once we are tethered to that, we are actually safe to then go and enjoy and experience our emotions, to give ourselves completely. Let me put it like this. When you're on a roof, maybe you're, you're 10 stories up and you're on a roof. If you have no harness, you, you might walk to the edge of that building, but you are gonna be trepidatious and fearful because of the consequences if you fall over that edge. But if you are tethered to an anchor, you can walk confidently, you can look over, you can engage with the the surroundings in a way that you never could beforehand. And this is what happens in our human lives. When we don't know our identity, when we don't have a sense of purpose, when we don't know who God has called us to be and what it is that we're on this earth to do, we are like somebody that is not tethered to anything but our emotions. And we're scared that if we give ourselves to our emotions, We're gonna be swept up and we're gonna be swept overboard and I could find myself so out of my depths. And so what happens is as humans, we try to suppress our emotions to protect ourselves. And as life goes on, sadly, while we start really emotional, we find ourselves getting less and less emotional to survive life as we know it. The opposite is true for the Christian. The more secure you become in Him, the more confident you are of your identity, the more you can give yourself to your emotions and actually engage with them as God wants you to and experience life in all its fullness. I have come to bring life and life to the full. He doesn't want you to suppress your emotions. He wants you to engage with them while not being threatened by them because you are secure no matter what circumstances, no matter what emotions in the fact that you have an identity and a purpose in Him. And this is what it means to have true freedom when you can confidently live your life give yourself completely to the passions and the the, the things that you love and the, the difficulties to engage with you know the even the difficult times and to properly grieve when necessary the things that are happening in your life you can truly do that because you're not afraid that you're going to fall apart because you have your identity secure in him and just finally you know just before we pray for a few people I just want to encourage you If you don't know who you are in Him, it all begins, it all begins with getting to know Him and getting to see Him. Do you know, when we see God for who He is, we discover who we 
are truly called to. The Bible says that He died for us and in Him, as we die, our new life is discovered. So I want to encourage you. What does it mean this week to build your identity and to not look at your emotions? It means to actually engage with the Word of God, to actually get around some godly wisdom, to get people in your life that can encourage you and help you to see things that you've never seen before. And I believe that as you invite the Holy Spirit to help reveal who you are called to be, He will start to show Himself. And you will find your, your security, not in your circumstances, but in your identity in Him. Hey, just now, while we're here, uh, as well as praying for all those people this week who just want to get a word from God, I want to pray for anyone who's in the room or you know, your bed lounge room or your, your dining room or wherever you may be right now. And you can feel in your heart this sense of, I'm, I'm on the emotional journey, but I, I don't know my identity. I've never discovered who I am in Jesus. Well, this is why He came. He came so that you could know Him and hear from Him. And right now, it's as simple as in your heart, just saying, you know what, Jesus, I just want to give you a chance. I just want to open up my life and say, yes, welcome you in. I want to encourage you, if you would do that this morning, it will be the beginning of a journey that will transform your life and it will bring life and life to the full like you've never known it because you will be free to engage with life and everything that life throws at you, knowing that no matter what happens, you have security in your identity and purpose in Jesus. So right now, why don't you just close your eyes, wherever you may be. And if this morning you need to pray a prayer to say, Jesus, I want you to, to be in my life. I want to build my life on who you are. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'd encourage you to pray this prayer. Maybe it's been a long time since you've walked closer with God and you can sense God saying, hey, come on, come back, come close. It's time to walk with me again. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. And this simple prayer, is a way that you can invite Jesus to become Lord of your life and establish your identity in Him and a sense of purpose from who He says you are. So everyone right now, with eyes closed, especially if you feel this is for you, pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in You. Come into my heart and be my Saviour. I receive Your forgiveness, love and complete acceptance. I am now set free from my sin. I am now a child of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.